just like The Way of Water, Classic Movies Live has no beginning and no end. We're here with the first episode of Season 4 of Classic Movies Live, and what else could it be but Avatar, The Way of Water? This is James Cameron's first movie in 12 or 13 years, and his second movie in 25, and when you go that long between movies, a lot of hype builds up in the meantime. Is this movie all it uh, all it's set out to be? Is it any good? Well, that's what we're here to talk about. And, you know, without very much further ado, I think I'm just going to let you guys hear what we had to say about it. This is a spoiler-free episode for the first 30 minutes. And after that, uh, there is a spoiler warning. And then it's spoiler town all the way, baby. So, before we get into it, there is an original song in the credits of this movie by The Weeknd, which is very cool. However, I want all of you guys to just think back in your mind and like try to get back on Pandora for this episode. And to do that, I'm going to give you guys a little taste of a theme song of Avatar The Way of Water. This is our first episode of Classic Movies Live for Season 4. And, you know, there was only one way to start Season 4. Pierre, what are we going to do for the first episode of Season 4? We are talking about the one, I guess, the biggest... No, I'm just going to say, we're talking about Avatar The Way of Water. I was trying to say it like like a very epic way, but I, I kept getting caught up. I was trying to say, like, it's like the biggest director of all the movie from the sequel of the biggest movie of all time. OK, that that would have been a way cooler way of saying it. Yeah, that would have worked. Yeah. Damn it. Okay. <clears throat> but yeah, that's the Avatar, the way of water, the sequel 13 years in the making. Apparently, unadjusted uh, for inflation, it is the fourth most expensive movie ever made. Shocking that it's only the fourth. I'm surprised it's not. I feel like it might it might have been cheaper because he's shooting two to three together, two and yeah. three together. So like like the overall average of the budgets drops a, a bit. Mm-hmm. But I yeah I think if you filmed it individually, it'd be like a lot different. Also, if you'd filmed it individually, I mean we'll get we'll get into it. But I think this movie would have been very very different if he'd filmed it individually. Like, if he'd filmed the next many movies individually. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I guess I don't really know. I, I need to, like, learn more. I was watching this, um, this uh, interview, or no, I was watching some behind-the-scenes stuff. It's really interesting, like, they don't, 
it's it it really is like there's no green screen in their process. They're they're barely using a studio. It's it's much more like like the actors are just kind of wandering around like what looks like a hangar almost. Did they shoot um, on location? Did no, they go no, to Pandora? No. It's just it's more like they're they're not using any back it's the the actors are literally there just to per, to capture like their body movements and stuff. If that makes sense. So, like there's so no like, there's not really like any camera what yeah shooting, i don't i like, don't I understand don't know, like there there's I, i'm pretty sure the way they shoot a lot of the scenes is like it's like a 3d setup it's like kind of how they make motion capture in video games where like they they do the whole scene and their entire body is captured from every angle right mm, okay and then they port that into um into the movie so like like I remember in the interview he was saying like oh in like traditional movies you have to have like for each for each scene you have to have like um the over the shoulder shots you have to have like the like the far away shot or whatever you have to have like different angles um so the actors have to do the same scene a bunch of times um you always have to make sure like the continuity is the same but in avatar and the way they shoot avatar it's just like they can they just act the scene out and then no matter what angle they can get whatever angle they need from um the digit digitization of the characters or the actors so like, at least for some of the scenes i think they do it like that so like was this can was this movie just shot without cameras obviously not the whole thing but like did they just was it just rendered and then they chose what they wanted in the computer i think so yeah i think wow. don't quote me on that but <laughs> That's the way he described it, so I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure there are cameras, but they're not used in the traditional sense in any way. James Cameron is a very weird dude. <laughs> yeah, but also I guess this is beyond any type of filmmaking we've seen before. I think this yeah. was also for the first app. This isn't like a new thing. Like, mm -hmm. um, this was for the first Avatar too. But it's cool that he's like he's basically going like this is beyond green screen now this is like the next level shit i mean like that's i i don't know um i don't know about you but like so i i liked the first avatar obviously we talked about it but like when avatar 2 was coming out i was more i was i was excited to go to like see more of pandora i i did enjoy the story of the first avatar and more than that i really enjoyed the world building but what i was most excited for is exactly that like the way that james cameron um pushes pushes like tech the technical side of filmmaking forward and just like does such weird nonsense with uh um with technicals especially like just the visuals because you know avatar one the cgi in it looked it it barely looked dated nine years late 12 years later and avatar 2 has like some of the best cgi i've ever seen probably oh, the best actually yeah i was like this one like i remember saying in the first one like when i rewatched it there was like i could notice some scenes looked a little off uh watching this one it was like completely it was there was not a scene where i i was like this looks weird mm -hmm. like it was flawless to me cgi wise so yeah yeah um i'm like and yeah yeah and like i um 
I remember the first Avatar was especially notable for like kicking off 3D, like the big trend of of 3D movies. And like, I don't know that it's necessarily going to return after this one, but like this is once again, like the first movie in a long time that I've actually cared about seeing in 3D. I think I saw Doctor Strange 2 in 3D, but like, I don't remember. It didn't make an impact. But this one is like... Damn. Yeah, I want to say Doctor Strange would have been pretty rough because I know 3D makes movies a lot darker if they're if they're usually done in the yeah. post conversion thing. Um, and I feel like Doctor Strange was already a very dark, dark looking movie. So I remember there was, tough. I'm not sure which movie it was. Like I've I've seen a couple of 3D movies since I've lived here, and like there was one that I remember just like, I could barely see anything that might've been Jurassic park. Actually, it might've been Jurassic mm-hmm. world dominion where I remember like putting on the glasses and it's like, all of this movie takes place at night and it's dark and everything's supposed to be in 3d, like, but it doesn't matter funny. because you can't see anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's really cool how, I mean, I think we talked about in the first avatar James, I feel like with most of his movies, he's really, use them to take a step forward in terms of the tech uh that he's using if that makes sense um Mm -hmm. i know in what what was i'm trying to think of the movies but terminator 2 was a really big movie in terms of like um like the cgi used for the t1000 have you seen terminator 2 oh yeah and at Uh, the time like uh i don't remember when i watched it but you know i watched it long after it came out obviously and uh the cgi in Terminator 2, it looks strange now because mm-hmm. it's like very it's very 90s, but also it's it's probably it's like the smoothest thing ever put to film in that in that year or by that by that year. Because it's just oh, it far. looks it it's really good. It just looks kind of strangely dated now. Yeah, that's which fair. I don't, 30 I don't, years later. I don't so think like it- took me out of the story i haven't seen it in a while to be fair, oh no I, I don't remember it like like really affecting the movie at all for me it was just like like you know it looks a little wonky but it's like it's like you hardly care because the movie's really good anyways well and also oh, yeah. like i think i don't know if this is I, I don't know if this is maybe me giving james cameron too much credit but like the the cgi in terminator 2 actually perfectly fits the tone of that movie like it's hmm. It's not super cheesy, but it's cheap. But it's like cheesy in just the same way as the ter- as Terminator Two is. Yeah, it's a it's definitely much more of a blockbuster movie than the first one, so mm-hmm. it kind of makes sense. Um, but yeah, so there was that. I know in the I think in the Abyss, which was ninety four, and Titanic in ninety seven, they were both uh, pretty fundamental in uh, like water water animation, water CGI, I guess because mm-hmm. uh, that again that wasn't really being done very well at the time so i think james made a big push for that to get those those right uh and i know I like say... that was a big focus for him in well this movie's called the way of water so obviously water's a big focus in this one too but i remember like when this movie was first announced so the day after avatar came out like shortly thereafter uh, James Cameron made headlines because he was like, he was going to go down in a submersible and he was going to be the person on earth who's gone the deepest into the ocean. 
He's going to film some stuff there. And I was like, is he bringing actors? Is he filming Avatar 2 right now? And he's going to do it in the Mariana Trench? And like, no, but like the first thing he did was go out and research how to do underwater, like how to do underwater fil- uh, cinematography even better. Well, cinematography probably isn't the word there, but like how to do un- how to shoot movies underwater even better than he'd already been doing. Yeah. Well, he definitely has a, a interesting fascination with anything water at this point. <laughs> like yeah. two of what three of his four last movies had something to do with or water had a very big part of the plot. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And also, you know, he's the, he free dives a lot and stuff like that. So it's definitely, definitely his hobbies have leaked into his filmmaking. And, uh, I think it's worked pretty well for him so far. So yeah, I can't well, I mean, fault he's, him for that. I think the only reason he's not the highest grossing filmmaker of all time is because Steven Spielberg has made more films that have been, generally speaking like on the level on on the same level of success as not avatar but like any other james cameron movie yeah i mean spielberg has like i want to say he's like 30 movies that he's directed that sounds about right and james he has a lot of movies i was surprised he has very few movies it's like 10 he has nine movies out nine which are not documentaries oh yeah yeah Probably only um, 12 if you include his documentaries. Like, he hasn't made a bunch of documentaries, but he has done yeah. some. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's crazy to me. Um, That he hasn't... I guess he... Well, I guess he's so successful in a lot of ways because he hasn't directed so many movies, maybe two. So, I don't know. Um, oh, wow. I didn't realize there were 12 years between Titanic and Avatar. Yeah, he's he's done, like, very little for the past... Well, I, I sorry, I shouldn't say little because I know he's. I'm pretty sure they've technically been working on the new Avatar movies for like the past six, seven years or something, maybe even longer. Well, I know he's at least had like he's at least had concepts ready for them for you know probably his whole life at this point, but a long time and like yeah. active development. Yeah, active, actual active production on Avatar on avatar movies has been going on for years. Like, I think, mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think like when you say seven years, that's active production. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. So, there was, a, I was going to say, he hasn't done nothing. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, there was an interview. Like I, I was telling you this before there was an interview with Edie Falco recently, uh, who shot her scenes for avatar two, possibly three and four so long ago that like she was on in the interview she's like yeah i thought it came out and bombed <laughs> yeah i guess that's why she yeah she had, she thought she hadn't heard of it because it bombed i guess um but yeah that's that's interesting it's uh it's kind of fun i guess it's also like i i, I read that because they're filming kind of almost three movies simultaneously right now that Mm-hmm. the actors don't know what scene they're filming on any given day sometimes so which mm-hmm. is kind of cool too even though i think i think he said he gave he has the entire plot written out and he gave the actors the entire scripts so that they can know where their characters are going which is kind of cool right um but yeah uh avatar so, of water do you want to do you want to briefly well actually why don't 
if I catch us up to uh, what happened in the first Avatar, you want to take us from the second? Sure. All right. So the first Avatar, I will try and sum it up very quickly because I think this movie, this movie does not stand completely on its own. But I don't think you need to know too much for the fir- of the first Avatar to get the gist. So in the first Avatar, we got Sam Worthington, uh, Jake Sully, who comes to Pandora from Earth to uh, like on Pandora. This is a big moon of some unnamed planet my friend was certain it was jupiter i don't think it actually is but jupiter does i believe have a moon called pandora which is just a neat coincidence anyway Mm. pandora is this big forest moon or at least that's kind of what we're led to believe in the first avatar and there is a huge mining operation on this forest moon where they're looking for something called unobtainium so there's that mining operation that's looking for fantasy fantasy minerals And more importantly, Jake Sully is part of the Avatar program in which which scientists and soldiers are put into synthetic bodies of the local populace to try and mingle with the population. And um, depending on who you ask, either like learn from them or genocide them. So anyway... He's, he's sort of put in there as, or both, he's sort of put in there as the token military man. And uh, um, with the hope from his superiors that he'll kind of help them wipe out the natives. But uh, as he learns more about the Na'vi, he starts to like them quite a bit and eventually turns and uh, the whole and the whole thing ends with Jake Sully leading a Navi rebellion against the mining colony, and basically, at least within the context of the first movie, driving humans off Pandora. When we yeah. pick up in in Avatar Two, it's I believe fifteen years later. Uh, I think it's. That it might be it. I, I thought it was ten. It's uh, yeah. Might be more. I don't know. I, I actually I missed like the first minute of this, so I might have missed something. So um, my main my main point of reference is in the very beginning they show a kid who is no older than a toddler in the first Avatar, or I don't even know if he was there, but like he's shown in scenes that are supposed to be from that time period, and then mm-hmm. when we see him in this movie, he's a teenager, and like oh, he okay. doesn't look like he's twelve but he doesn't look that much older than 15. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So it, it picks up a decade or more mm-hmm. um, after the first avatar. And uh, basically you have the human, the humans have come back and their goal is now to use Pandora to be the, kind of a colony i guess or a new civilization for earth because earth is dying they don't explain why or how um i'm I'm guessing there's a whole host of reasons but uh so yeah they i'm sure it'll come up again yeah so they've established i guess that the villains are slightly different this time because now earth sees pandora as a as a military asset rather than just a, a capitalist asset so now they have the actual military there um, who've set up shop really, really quickly and much more efficiently than um, the company did in the first movie. And they want to make a move to, you know, wipe out 
the natives again <laughs> because they want mm. the planet um and to turn it into the new earth i guess so they they have arrived and jake basically has to is in a position where he has a family now and he has to he wants to protect his family um but he doesn't want to lose them doing it so he decides to go take his family elsewhere to a new a new tribe uh of the navi where they like the water <laughs> they or they live by the water so yeah and they learn the way of the water i guess yeah yeah that that sums it up i guess like an important bit there that i don't know if i heard you say uh he is still leading an insurgency like he's at um jake sully over the last however long decade or more has actively been fighting back any humans that like come at the navi which like is why he's a very high value target for the military Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. so that's why yeah that's why he's he leaves with his family instead of protecting whatever because they thought they just wanted him um so yeah that's that's the way of water um jeff what were your first thoughts impressions how did you feel about this movie uh this movie is awesome like i love this it was first off i mean i already said this i was excited most for how it was gonna look and it is one of the best looking like it's it's one of the best looking movies that i've seen that's not like stylized or really good because it's creatively made on a budget it's like they threw they threw hundreds of millions of dollars at it and got their money's worth it's that kind of a really good looking movie um once again my favorite thing from the first movie was the world building and i think it's so strong here i love this world and like um there's so many things that i'm going to talk about them a lot as they come up but uh just like early on when the when the uh the general is giving is like talking to the new arrivals we'll say i'll we'll get into them later but like when the general is talking to the people who just came to the mining colony and like talking about um how they've set up and they're they're now fully intent on killing all the natives uh it's like they're just like yeah we don't really care that much about mining anymore like it's still a thing but we're we're more intent on other things now and i think i don't remember exactly what his words are but later on there's a guy who's just like yeah it's not about mining anymore now we do whaling and they just sort of throw that out there not with no explanation but like with with enough for you to figure it out and then they just like drop it not not Drop it's the wrong word. And then they're just like, you know what? You figure it out from here. We got other stuff to go talk about because we got to set up this whole world for you. Yeah, I was uh, I was actually really surprised they completely dropped the unobtainium stuff. I was uh, I was honestly expecting the movie to follow more closely with the first one where the I thought the company was going to come back uh for the unobtainium obviously but their main goal would be to wipe out the navi or something like that which um seems kind of like it's the case but like it's not explicitly that way so it's a little bit left up to you because they focus on other stuff in this movie yeah it's they don't they we actually don't get that much time with the humans or the the main main villains i guess 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of left up to the, to interpretation. I, I I guess I just wish that motivation was more tied to the first one. It just felt like they wanted this movie to stand alone more or something, mm-hmm. um, which was odd to me because like I felt like there was a very easy line to make between the first and second in terms of I, I thought it would be more like like Earth sees Navi as a threat and now they they have to wipe out the Navi because they want to protect Earth. Um, and any, like, you know, they have to protect their rich people or whatever, too. Yeah. So, I, I thought that would have been more of it. But, like, I mean, this isn't bad. I think I think with this, it maybe with the way James Cameron's wrote this saga, it might pay off more in the future. To um, me, it just like, felt a little uh, more heavy-handed with the... Because, like, the first movie was, like, very obviously already like a tale of like the europeans um or colonialism now it's like very obvious it's they're literally colonizing uh pandora it was like it was like we already knew like that was the themes were there but now they're it's like literally there so yeah so like i feel like this movie so like this movie obviously builds off of the first one a little bit but like you said it does feel like it stands alone better or like it's intended to stand alone more. And I think it's less that I don't actually think this movie is intended to stand alone so much as I think the first movie is its own thing. And then two, three and four are like the series. It's like, now that you've, now that you've seen a little bit of the world of Pandora, you like that? Cool. Here's nine hours of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm pretty sure he didn't envision Avatar as a series, maybe what exactly when he started. So he, he, like, you might be right. He dreamed this up as its own true trilogy, uh, mm-hmm. which is why it's, it might be more connected to things later, but yeah, it's not like, it, because, it's not really a bad thing. I think it was just not what I expected. So. Because I liked this movie. I, I like this movie a lot as a singular package, but also a lot of it felt like, the payoff for it is coming down the line. Like they introduce, like they introduce the new mining facility and then they don't really do anything with it. It's just, it's there. It's, it's not going anywhere, but they're also not, that's not where most of the movie takes place. Yeah. I, I want to say it actually, like it reminded me a lot of um, Empire Strikes Back in terms of, I feel like, the plot itself didn't advance forward very much, but like, I think it was like a very interesting detour in terms of getting to know our characters better. And there's like a lot more personal stakes involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though this is like a longer movie, like I'd, I'd say like definitely like, like the climax, for example, is a lot smaller and more personal than the first movie. Yeah. Um, and it ends like, it end, it ends like in a way that like I it, it 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 stands alone as its own movie because there's a very clear character arc from the beginning to the end for like all the main characters basically, mm-hmm. um, but it still kind of leaves on you on a dark note and like looking forward to uh, the next movie where like the actual conflict set up in this movie will be resolved. Mm-hmm. I feel like like in, in a similar fashion of like like Darth Vader. Darth Vader and Luke's like story hadn't really resolved uh, until um, uh, Return of the Jedi. We just got more backstory behind it, um, right? Yeah, which also felt very similar. I feel like uh, this this guy, what's it, Colonel Quaritch or something like that? Colonel Quaritch. Who, oh, I want to talk about him. 
Yeah, but yeah, he feels very uh, Darth Vader reminiscent in this movie too. I'd say <laughs> not not in style, obviously, but like definitely in like character setup. I'd say Colonel Quaritch is like my favorite character now. In the first movie, I thought in the first movie I thought he was a very very effective. Um, obvious bad guy like literally the first thing he says is it's my job to keep you safe i will not succeed which is like such a dumb line (laughs) it's not a dumb line it's a dumb thing to say but it's a really good line and like then throughout the whole movie he's just obviously evil and in this movie he has such a weird awesome character arc that like it it feels like his character arc shouldn't be anything special, but the more I think about it, the more insanely cool it is actually. Yeah. It's like the way they set up his character. It, it, I really like it because it's, it's using the advantage. Like it's using the, uh, the world of avatar to tell a very unique story Mm-hmm. Uh, a very relatable story but a very unique story that only like this i feel like this the way they set up the world that they, they can make a villain like that where um well i don't, I don't know if i i don't want to i don't want to spoil it or it's kind of tough but i mean i want to talk about it with spoilers eventually do you think there's other stuff we should talk about with before we start talking spoilers um i guess the visuals <laughs> we're gonna talk about yeah. that last but like yeah, it's the only thing I can think of, really. I mean, we can we can put a spoiler warning right here. Okay. I'm sure. going to say, yeah, like, I... I mean, we don't intend to talk about Avatar for the full length of the movie. So, like, you know, here's qu- quick things before before we go into, like, spoiler mode. Spoiler. Okay. What, what, uh... do you, what do you think? Would you recommend people see this movie? Yes, definitely. Watch it in IMAX 3D if you can great visuals oh i wouldn't say God. wouldn't say obviously like not the best plot and the not not the best like character development but i i think um i think it it definitely feels a lot more personal than the first one in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um takes and it's it focuses a lot more on like world building i think but it's it's a cool kind of adventure in the av- avatar universe and it's made me really excited for whatever's coming next for sure mm-hmm. all right yeah Spoilers. We're going to talk about Colonel Quaritch in three, two, one. All right. So Colonel Quaritch's <laughs> Colonel Quaritch's story in this is so cool. Uh, so in the first one, he dies. He just actually dies. We see him die. It's an on-screen death. It's a major thing. It's kind of like it's part of the climax of the movie. Like it's a lot of the movie is resolved when Colonel Quaritch mm. dies. One of the very first things that happens in, in this movie is we see an old recording from Giovanni Ribisi and Colonel Quaritch, uh, Stephen Lang, I guess I should mention, because I'm going to talk, I'm going to heap praises on him later. Uh, <laughs> it explains why Colonel Quaritch is now in, Colonel Quaritch's consciousness is now in the body of, an is now in an avatar body. And this avatar of Colonel Quaritch is not actually Colonel Quaritch, but it's his consciousness from about an hour before he died. So, like, the Quaritch of this movie is the same character, but he never got to experience his death, which I guess is good. But then he has to, like, learn about it uh, from, like, 
putting the pieces together and learning like, you know, he's a person who's been conscious for days and like has to put his life together that he's responsible for, but has no connection to because he is a clone and he gets a very, he gets a very actually stereotypical, like redemption arc, kind of like anti-hero redemption arc plot, except he's also very obviously the villain. He's kind of, he's not the emotional core of this movie, but he's like, he's got a way more interesting plot than some of the heroes in this movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I, when I was mentioning earlier, like he's, it's the only, only avatar could tell this story where he's basically like a clone of himself. And it's kind of interesting too, because he's basically in the body of a race that he despises. Yeah. Um, which is like a whole, I guess they don't really get into it, but it's like a very interesting thing to think about. Um, and he also, I guess he has a son in this, in this movie too, um, which was set up in the, I actually didn't see this cause I missed that, but it was set up at the start, right? Yeah. The whole time. Um, so yeah. And I think there, there's a lot that's really interesting there. I think the whole, like one of the most interesting scenes when it was when he does see his, like, I guess the remains of his body, mm-hmm. uh, from his past life and. Um, cause I think there's this really weird, uh, acknowledgement where he's like, I am not this person. I know mm-hmm. I'm not this person and he wants to be different and he wants to be better. Cause I think part of him really regrets. He looks at his life and he's like, Oh, like I really regret dying. This led to my death. And I feel like he just, it's like, you know, when you're like about to die, I feel like a lot of people like, like think about the way they live their life and they kind of want to change things. Whereas him is like, like, he literally died. Um, even though he didn't see himself die, but he realizes. So I feel like he's looking back at his past and he wants to fix some things and be a little different uh, than before. So he's like kind of the same person, but he's not because he doesn't want to be that person anymore. There's, there's like a, there's a pretty cool line in this where they're, they're torturing his son. Like the, the military people are torturing his son and he's like, I think we can do a little bit better. We we can probably get a little further with friendship here because like torture is not not doing it for us. Give me give me a couple of minutes with him. And he takes him into a lot into a room to interrogate him. And he says, uh, I was never like Colonel Corridge was never a good father, but I'm not that guy. And like in the moment, it seems like he's just good cop, bad copping the guy. But as you but like yeah. as the movie goes on, it's like. I think that might have been a moment for his character because I don't know if he believed it in the minute, in the in the moment. But as it goes on, it's like, yeah, he actually isn't that guy, and he has to like really reckon with that quite a bit. Yeah, well, I think we're also kind of like the more he, it's like we because we basically see him from his birth, mm-hmm. um, and the more he is kind of in this new body and this new life, he's also kind of slowly realizing more and more that he's not the same person he was before in, in his in his old life i guess and i think it, mm-hmm. it it's conflicting for him and it it's kind of it makes him like the whole thing with the son is that like he, he was a shitty dad from what i can tell yeah um and you can tell that with in his new body he he seems to feel a lot of regret about that and he wants well, to change things just um, on the note of him being a shitty dad like i think it says a lot that not only 
do we never see, do we not really see his son and not even know it's his son really in the first avatar? But like throughout the first avatar, he's, uh, he's at war the entire time. uh, And like never mentions that he even has a girlfriend or a wife or anything. Like we just find out about this son later, which like, you can say all you want on his storytelling perspective, but like it says a lot about him as a character that that never came up in the first one. Yeah. I'd say like, obviously I don't think James Cameron like planned for him to have a kid, but like it actually does work pretty well in retrospect because him being a shitty dad would obviously mean that you would not see that kid around him at any time. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I, I think it works really well. And, uh, it's it's cool to see how the conflict of he he does kind of want to be like his old self but he's he's almost fu- like it's like he's fighting the change while also accepting it throughout the whole movie and he's still i think when we leave him he's still he's probably more confused than ever as to what his purpose is and what he's supposed to do with his life mm-hmm. um moving forward which i think really is really interesting going to be interesting setting up uh, his character in the next movie or movies if he lives or not. So, yeah. I mean, I I take it all with a grain of salt, but every interview that I've heard with that I've heard or seen any part of with someone about this movie, like just hypes up the next movies even more. Like I think Jack champion, <laughs> the guy who plays his son spider says at one point, yeah, dude, avatar three takes such a wild turn. And like, <laughs> I'm very excited for that, but I also don't know. I also don't get to see it for two years. So like, yeah, I, I don't know so, what to make of it. Yeah. Well, I think that's, it's, it's really cool how this is almost like I'd compare it to like age of Ultron almost where it's like, it really puts a lot of work in setting this, the future of avatar up and expanding the world and expanding the characters. But it, and unlike a lot of movies that do like age of Ultron that does that, it, it really does stand alone by itself very, very well. It's doing, it's setting up the future while also being its own movie at the same time. And I think that's like, that's like amazing. Like uh, how, how good it is at doing that, I guess. Cause mm-hmm. I, it didn't, it never felt like it was actively trying to hype me up for the next movie. It just, it felt all of it. Felt it just did. <laughs> yeah. 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 And like this whole, like, I think even like small things, but like just the idea of them going to a different tribe by the water and like seeing, how different like obviously like it's very reminiscent of earth where you'll have like uh different races of people living in different parts of the world so it's like Mm -hmm. kind of the same thing right but like i just i just feel like i I just assumed all the navi would be relatively the same right but like the water tribe like culturally and like even like body wise and stuff is like very very different from the navi from the the forest yeah Uh, and i mean like when i was summing up sorry Oh, I was going to say that just opens up the door to like how many more tribes are there out there and on Pandora and like how many different types of Navi are we going to meet in the future? Yeah. And I mean, that's why I said when I was summing up the first movie, like it seems like a forest moon in the first movie, but no, that's just like a tiny part of the world. There's a lot of world here. It's a very, Mm. it's like, it's an earth like moon and like, Mm. it's probably at least as big as earth. Yeah, I I guess we're just like we're just so used to Star Wars just having one biome for everything that like 
we just assume the same thing for all of them. But yeah, like it, it makes sense. Like, like in, in, if we add, there was actually a planet like Pandora, it'd probably be very similar to earth in terms mm. of having different biomes. Um, but yeah, so I think even like just the small stuff like that really adds to it. And uh, yeah, but I never felt like this was, I think almost like not advancing the plot more kind of made me more excited for the future too. Cause it almost felt like a filler episode in terms of like the grand scale of things, but it was like just really, really good filler, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, like, I mean, it did what filler should do, which is it set it, it like gave us so much just world building that like when the third, if the third one or the fourth one goes completely off the rails, but does advance the story in like a weird way, you know, it might not be able to do that without the things that it has set up, that the series is set up in two, one and two, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because two took the time to do that. So yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, But yeah, it's like speaking of setting up, like I think they, they really set up the, the, the family establishing the family dynamic in this movie seems really important because I feel like that also really shifted how I think I saw the Avatar franchise. Like I thought it was going to be the story of Jake Sully mm-hmm. and, and Neytiri, I guess, and them fighting the humans or whatever, but bringing in the family dynamic and like Jake was almost like a side character in this movie. I would um, argue that the main character of this, like the main the main character of this movie was uh, what's his name? Uh, <laughs> That's the thing. Lo- I don't know any of them. Loak. Loak. His second son. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, he was like the cocky kind of bad son that um, I feel like is pretty stereotypical in some movies. But yeah, it was it was basically his movie. He had he had the most screen time. I'm pretty sure, or at least like the most complete character arc. Um. And I think he was probably a more interesting character than Jake was in the first. At movie. least in this. Yeah. Um, I mean, like maybe. Yeah, maybe. It's hard to Although, compare because I feel like they're very different movies overall. And they did have like very different. They had very different plots. Like they both, you know, they both have their own little hero's journey, but like, uh, um, one of my friends and one of my friends and I were talking about like, why does Jake Sully decide to like, I guess in, in a way betray humans and become Navi. And it's like, well, he didn't really have a place among the humans. And like a big mm. part of the first movie is that he, he can't walk, but when he's in the Navi body, he's like super free. And yeah. uh, I don't remember why I was saying that, but like, anyway, the <laughs> second uh, in, in this one, his son has, you know, his son also has similar levels of character development, but that thing that I just said, his son has never been human. His son is like completely unrelated to that, to any of those elements. It's like a very, very, his son is an extremely different character. Yeah. And it's, it's cool. Uh, I never thought of the idea of, uh, the children being different. They're like technically all hybrids, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. because I, the, didn't I didn't realize the... that oh sorry yeah the pen oh. the navi usually have four fingers but the avatars have five fingers which i i didn't yeah. notice i didn't notice i didn't remember that from the first one i'm i'm yeah. sure it must have been there because like that was that would be a hard thing to invent for the second movie right but like <laughs> yeah i didn't i don't remember it at all yeah 
so I thought that was that was actually really cool. That was a good plot point. It's like I, I feel like the the second act, like it again. It's a, the second act is very much a pretty straightforward story. It, it felt like the the plot of like it was almost like a family road trip or something like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they go to this new place and the the son falls in love with like the girl from there and like the they have to they have to deal with the bullies and stuff and then they but then they the bullies eventually become their friends and um it's a very it felt like it was kind of funny seeing like i wish they put, almost played into that more like the the clichés or the the corniness of that but mm-hmm. they played it pretty seriously i don't think that was a bad thing i think it was and, a, and like i think he i think cameron does play into the clichés quite a bit cuz this movie like I'm finding it difficult to sum up this movie in like one sentence, but like there are very few surprises from a story perspective in this movie. I feel like, like there's this, this is the story. The, the screenplay might is probably the weakest part of the movie, but it's still really strong just for like how I, I still think it's actually pretty strong because it just like takes a bunch of, well-established cliches and uses them to make a familiar story in an incredibly unfamiliar world. So it's all like very much in the service of bringing everything else up. Even Mm. if the story is like, I mean the story, not all stories have to be unique and I don't think this one necessarily is, but like everything around it is, is and is made better for not having to piece together the intricacies of family dynamics in navi tribes yeah yeah i like yeah yeah, i could have the screenplay obviously could have been better but i think it did its job it was definitely like especially the second act was like extremely long and i think it was definitely because um james was really focusing he just i think he just loved shooting in the water like there was just (laughs) there's very the, the water sequences were very long and i definitely think he could have cut a lot off the top with those scenes um oh he probably did i'll bet he cut three hours of them yeah i probably already did i i I think he could have cut more but like i wouldn't say that was necessarily a bad thing because i think it was still enjoyable to watch it just maybe wasn't necessary i guess to have in Mm -hmm. um, some of these longer sequences but but yeah there's some cute stuff um though i think the water stuff I, i remember talking about uh black panther to like black panther 2 there was a lot of underwater scenes in that um it's so obvious that i mean obviously the way of water had probably five almost five times the amount of post-production as black panther 2 did but um it's it definitely shows because like the underwater scenes are absolutely beautiful Mm -hmm. and i can't believe that they were able to make it look so I guess they were shooting underwater, so it definitely helped in terms of lighting and stuff. But like, I don't know, it was really well done. I I mean, I've never seen underwater scenes look that good. Yeah, well, especially yeah, especially CGI wise too. So like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he did a he did a really good job. And you can just feel he has so much passion for the ocean. <laughs> like, yeah, like just just the amount of design and detail put into those scenes too is just crazy. He just wanted to show you 50 fish you've never seen before. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. It's almost, I feel like, like, the underwater world is, like, so unexplored. I feel like some of those could have been from Earth, and I would have never known. 
um actually yeah, I, I wonder if he snuck some in who knows but uh yeah it was there, there was some really cool stuff in there and i love all the new creatures i love the that the new flying creature they have but like it flies because it sticks its tail in the water as well as like a almost like a steering wheel basically mm-hmm. i want to say or like a rudder i thought that like stuff like that was really cool i think the animals in general were just better done yeah um then the fr- i remember the first one i was just like this is just this is just a horse but <laughs> alien and like this is just a hyena but alien but now in this one i felt like they they did a, a lot more with that even though the whale creature was, was just basically a whale uh yeah i didn't mind it that much but yeah but yeah like the the weird the weird rudder dragon was very funny but in a good way yeah i also love the designs of the the human stuff this time too it was i thought it was way better as well the those crab vehicles yo crabs with fists they were so cool i'm not isn't there a scene where like a crab mech just punches a guy I think so. Yeah, it's like it was so cool to see. I love like that. That felt very uh, I want to say Star Wars-y, um, but obviously it made a lot more sense in Avatar because it was like made modeled after a crab, like very literally. Uh, but yeah, those things were so cool. I love that. I love the whole the whole boating, even though like the plot of it was very cliche. That whole whaling scene was definitely like not really necessary to watch the entirety of. It was a very long scene, but it was it was still very cool. effective at making the bad guy of this movie very bad. Yeah, and uh, I think the, the the gadgets they used was just interesting. <laughs> Even though the whale was dying, they killed the whale. I felt bad, but like I thought the tech they used was kind of cool to do it. I don't mm-hmm. know. It was a uh, yeah. I like the whalers, sort of. <laughs> they killed the whale, but they did it in an interesting way. Yeah, they were creative about it. There was, <laughs> it wasn't just a harpoon or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I liked uh, the world building in this, and like the character designs. I think it was all definitely a, a step up from the first one, even though the first mm-hmm. one was like nothing to scoff at. So yeah, really cool. Oh, also those the the new the new human mech thingies. I don't want to say it. The ones that make them nine feet tall. Uh, that the general, oh, the, yeah. the general walks around in. I thought it was so cool seeing the general like drink coffee with it or whatever. <laughs> like, because she's not using her hand. She's using like the mech hand to drink coffee. It looked um, so weird. I was watching I it and it was so distracting. I'm like, what yeah. is her hand doing? Yeah. But it looked like really seamless too. Like, oh, yeah, I never felt sure. like she was acting like with cgi stuff it, lo- it looked very good to me it looked flawless, yeah so i i wonder how much of that kind of stuff was practical effects because like obviously they didn't build the most sophisticated mech suit ever made but yeah. like it looked it looked like you said really seamless like more it didn't look like she was in front of a green screen acting it out so like what did it what did it look like when they were filming that part? yeah it was like the coffee cgi or like i don't know <laughs> Well, I mean, like, they could probably do something like that with puppetry. Like, practical effects can do that. Yeah, I doubt they did, though. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that that was really cool. I I don't know why that really stuck out to me. I love the the aesthetic of it, I guess. So um, I hope we see more of those weird standy things in the the future (laughs) movies, too. So, yeah, that was cool. Uh, I don't know. what, What else did you like? Um, I actually really loved where it leaned into the cheese. Like, I thought it was really funny, but uh, the last 
well, you know, the last shot of this movie really stuck with me. It's really, really funny. It's the cheesiest shot of the whole movie. Like the eyes? It's where, like, Jake Sully has his eyes closed and there's a monologue about how they're water people now. And at the very very end, it's, like, zoomed in all the way to his face and it says, uh, and it says, we're water people now. And his eyes open up. And then it goes to credits. (laughs) And, like... It's the funniest sequence in the whole movie. Yeah, there there are some really. I mean, we talked about it earlier. There's some cheesy stuff. I love the whole. I thought it was hilarious with the whole. The chief's daughter was like making eyes at Loak or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, from like the instant they arrive, like it, it was so obvious. Like she was checking him out, and then it was yeah. just kind of weird. Like she had that scene where she's like walking out of the water. It, it felt very like. Baywatch almost where she's walking out of the water and she's like getting the water out of her hair (laughs) I was like but she's blue and it was like very confusing I was like like is is she flirting with him like is it that obvious like wow okay um but yeah there was some very obvious scenes where she was like going for even though there's there was there didn't I guess there wasn't really a romantic subplot in that they just she heavily flirted with him in some ways and but they just ended up being friends i guess there might be more in the future but well i mean like they're water people now so there's there's gonna be more history there there has to be yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah speaking of i i did like the whole i don't know they they used the 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 title way of water actually had like some meaning in this where like they talk about the way of water is in terms of like their culture um i really i I really liked how they used the phrasing personally it it was really corny but like yeah well like my new favorite quote comes from this movie because every time I hear every time I hear someone like talk about, all right, I'm gonna go watch Avatar. Wish me luck. It's three hours long. I'm like, friend, the way of water has no beginning and no end. <laughs> yeah, I, I know love that quote so much. It's cheesy, but I I really I'm a sucker for that type of shit. It, it low key I mean, kind of reminds me of like like Yoda said a lot of like kind of corny things in Empire Strikes Back, but I still think they were all like. They were all very emotionally relevant, I guess. I, if that makes sense. I think, like, I want to stress. I think the cheesiness of this movie is an it's asset. A good thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's there's there's this movie. I mean, I'm just reading bits and pieces, like quotes from James Cameron on the other screen here, and like he said he wants to focus on entertainment. And when I hear him say that, like, what that sounds like to me is like. Yeah, he's using story beats we know so that he can show us something insane. And like, mm-hmm. so I, I mean, I hope that eventually one of the Avatar sequels is like the greatest written story ever made, but that's not what I'm expecting. I'm expecting a very well-made, not necessarily like groundbreaking story. Because, mm-hmm. And that's what James Cameron does with this is like, it's all very cheesy but he's yeah. using those tropes really effectively. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I think that's like overall. This movie did feel a lot more fun than the first one too. In terms mm-hmm. of, uh, it, it was like it had more of those like corny moments, and it had like the characters, like the fun. I love the 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 family dynamic of like. Remember, I love that one scene where uh, they had the fight with the Chiefs' kids, right? And then they go back and then Jake is like shitting on the Loak for uh, for starting the fight. Right. And yeah. then he, he tells like, Loak, you got to like apologize to the chief's children at once. That's like unforgivable. 
And then when Loughley is, he asked the older son, like, like how the other guys look, <laughs> like hoping that he beat the shit out of them anyways. Um, I love a little stuff like that's, I, I think it was, it's good because it really adds the idea that this is a family. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's tough because I think, you know, obviously the, these are all completely CGI characters, right? Yeah. Um, so I think like mentally it can be hard to, it can be harder to relate to them and see them as just like us, you know, but little scenes like that where you're like, this is exactly what like an earth dad would say too, or like someone would be like, it's really nice to see, I guess. So yeah, I really like the little things like that. It added a lot to it, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, I remembered one other scene that was really funny when I saw it, but is actually like very effective at what it's doing early on. They're all talking in Navi. And I think, I know I've said this privately. I don't know if I've said this on the show, but like, about a year ago, I was like, so here's how Avatar can sweep the entire Oscars. It just has to all be in, it has to be primarily in the Navi language. And since it's all shot in New Zealand, New Zealand can submit it as an international feature and then it can get like every award. Uh, and early on, they primarily speak Navi. And then Jake's inner monologue is like, after a while, the Navi became second nature. It was like they were speaking English and the subtitles literally fade out as everyone starts speaking English. It was so funny, but also once again, very effective at what it's trying to do. It's like, we're not going to make you read subtitles this whole movie. This is all American actors. We're not going to play. It's American and British actors. We're not going to play around with you. Here you go. Yeah. There was a, I actually, I remember what was interesting was, I, this is like completely unrelated. I remember James Cameron was talking about how when he was hiring, uh, casting uh, Sam Sam Worthington, right? Mm-hmm. He had like a thick, he has like a thick Australian accent. And he, he said he doesn't, he wanted, he wanted everyone to be American because he, he thought that the American uh, stuff, reminded him a lot more of colonialism i guess and upheld the themes better mm-hmm. um, which is why I, I never thought of that i mean it feels very obvious in hindsight but yeah yeah i don't know i just want to say that um yeah so i think sam worthington was a lot better in this movie too uh he, works he didn't have really as much well. time but he yeah. definitely works really well as a supporting character like i I don't want to say he couldn't lead another one of these movies. He led the first one, but I definitely, I agree that I liked him better in this movie than in the first movie. Not necessarily by that much, but like, I think he's just, I don't know. His character feels, I mean, it's part of his character too, because his character just feels more at home now. Yeah. And I think he had just had more characters to play off of too. Cause in the first mm-hmm. one, he mostly just had, like he, he talked to other characters, but he don't really only had like a relationship with Neytiri. Like he wasn't, he wasn't really friends, I would say, with anyone else. Yeah. Um, so it was like cool to see him play off more. I, I really liked I thought it was interesting. I mean, I think it'll we'll see more of it in the future. But the whole him treating his family like a squad and like they call him sir and stuff was like mm-hmm. a really interesting way of, uh, I guess, showing how much he had to change once the humans like once they started to fight. Right. Yeah. And how like it probably was really stressful on their family dynamic. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah because it seems like because he's a military man so it seems like once the fight happened he kind of reverted back to like his his what he knows best which i'm guessing is 
how to be a fighter basically so yeah uh yeah so i thought that was like an interesting thing to bring up uh in the movie mm-hmm. yeah um yeah oh my gosh all right uh do you have anything else you want to say about the way of water um i thought nateria was surprisingly underused in this yeah i think that would that's it's a little disappointing i hope she gets more to do in the sequels because she was good but like she didn't her and jake sully were definitely like pushed into the background a bit and her much more so than jake sully yeah um she has like a really cool scene at the end though with the whole her what did you think of her holding spider as hostage um oh and basically yeah, threatening was, to kill him it was it was a good scene i mean i think she i think that like this movie sort of just makes her into you know a, a fierce matriarch character which is i don't know it's a it's a trope that i think i don't know i think she could have been i i think that like the writing could have could have done her a little bit better if like than, than that because James Cameron leans into a lot of tropes here and I think that with Neytiri like you know she she embodies that trope well but like it's a trope that by by its nature doesn't give her a lot to do except be very angry and be fiercely protective of her children <laughs> which is yeah. not horrible it's just like it doesn't there's that's not a lot yeah I I, I, I might have been more interesting to see how she would adapt to like the new life too because mm-hmm. uh, it kind of set up the fact that like that that's been her home and she was meant to protect that place or her dad asked her to protect her their home for like and she's lived there for like her whole life so um, yeah. we don't really get to see any of her feelings of like how she feels in this new place which was um kind of unfortunate but again there's there's gonna be more of these movies so i feel like that's kind of an excuse but like well, we'll see definitely like we know that there's at least another full movie filmed and being edited and ready to go so like you know there's at least one more so if this movie has a lot of characters and if one or two of them aren't and and if some of them aren't as fleshed out as they could be there is another movie where that's probably what's going to happen is they're going to get more fleshed out yeah why I don't know. I, I'm just scared this is going to be a Marvel thing where I remember in WandaVision, I was like, oh, yeah, like it'll probably be fleshed out in the future. This will like this will be all of this stuff will pay off later eventually. And it, it's been a while and it still hasn't. So I, I don't want the same to happen well, to Avatar where I'm at the fifth. <laughs> we're waiting for the fifth movie. And I'm still like, oh, maybe they'll like give Nateri a plot line this time. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the the main difference between Marvel and Avatar as series is that Marvel is actually, like, as a series, just so much bigger and so much easier to be unwieldy. Like, things that, things that aren't fleshed out in the MCU later can be fleshed out by any of a number of people. If something in Avatar doesn't work, or, like needs to be fleshed out more the only person who can do it is james cameron because he's the only person making avatar and like both have their advantages and disadvantages but like you know one advantage to having a singular person with a singular vision behind it is 
he also has noticed, like, as we just noticed that Zoe Saldana didn't have much to do in this movie, he knows that. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, whether or not he'll address it is going to be up to him, but I would imagine that, like, you know, that didn't slip by him. Something something is probably going to come up in the next few movies. Yeah, you're right. Probably not. We'll see. I guess maybe it might be tougher for him in terms of, like, because he's probably like, oh, I don't need to write that much for her here because... She has way more in the future, but he knows mm-hmm. that and we don't. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it's a little different. Oh, what did you think of, uh, uh, what's his name? He was Jermaine Clement. Do you know him? Yes. Yeah, he was, uh, he in, was this in, in such an odd role. I The whole time I was like, is that, is that Jermaine Clement? Right, is yeah, that Jermaine same, Clement? I was like, and then when I went home, out. yeah, when I went home, I looked it up and I'm like, oh, that was Jermaine Clement. Yeah. He had like such um, a weird plot line or use in this movie, I guess. I don't know. He kind of got to be the uh, Joel David Moore character from the last movie. Or like, like it, a, a little bit. He was a scientist who was well-intentioned, uh, had very little to do, but did sort of like, you know, the next person to defect to Na'vi is going to be this guy, Jermaine Clement. Yeah, I think he just dies though. I'm pretty sure. He I it's an off-screen death, so I don't Maybe. trust it. But yeah, like yeah. I guess we don't know. I just I think, I think it, he was such he's a He's on weird a ship character. that explodes. He was such a weird character because he's just shitting on them the whole time for doing it. But then the guy's like, and this funds your research, and he's like, Yep. <laughs> he doesn't say That's anything else about Yeah. <laughs> no, I know, but it's just like he's like he's He's still technically fine with the whaling. Like he won't say anything about it. Um, I yeah. thought it was leading to like a redemption story where he would like cut the line or something like that to the whale and save it. But no, he just he just kind of sits. He's just kind of on the ship, shitting on the guy, the captain, <laughs> while he being while like he's shooting the whale. I think uh, if this movie had intended to delve into it a lot, a little bit more, I think he would be a very good character to like show you know this this movie has strong like environmentalist and at least like the it, it has strong environmentalist and anti-colonialist leanings although it's not like it's it's not it's not super deep about those topics but i think that like jemaine clement's character is a would be a very good way to show like how apathy can still like how just you know not caring about something and just being apathetic to these causes just is also bad like allow like allows these things to continue unabated uh like i said this movie is not that deep so like it doesn't do it doesn't really do that but if i'm being charitable that's probably why his character is there yeah i guess it is kind of like because I feel like that is a problem too, where like a lot of people, a lot of people will say they don't like something, um, but they'll still prop like it's still all about money, which I think is a big theme of the movie too, where it's just like mm-hmm. a lot of it's just for the money, basically. Well, and like even for that guy who, it's you know, I guess it's about the money. He's not necessarily in it for the money, but he needs that money to fund the thing he is in it for. So you know. It's, mm-hmm. it's not really putting him in a hard position. He could absolutely make a principled stance, but he'd rather not because he is getting what he likes out of it. He's benefiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It was just like a 
an odd character I found, but I still liked him. It's Jemaine Clement. I could not like hate that guy in anything. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't. I really have anything else to say. I think. So in that case, what would you? Uh, what would you give Avatar two? The second movie. <laughs> the second movie in 15 years by James Cameron mm. out of 10. Oh, dude, we forgot to talk about the frame rate. I want to talk about that really quickly. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the frame rate. Yeah. Did you notice it? <laughs> I I definitely noticed it. And I okay. checked. I was 100% in a, in a theater that specifically was doing the sec- the high frame rate sections in high frame rate. So it it stood out. It was weird. I thought it actually worked. But like the the only part about it that maybe didn't work was that it was only certain scenes in that high frame rate. I think if the whole movie had been in that, I don't actually know if it would have worked for every scene, but a consistent frame rate definitely would have improved that. Yeah, Be it I'm consistently not gonna, high or consistently low. I'm not going to lie. I, I felt like the action, I, I actually didn't really bother me anywhere else, but the action scenes, especially at the start, I noticed looked like more like video games than oh yeah um, an actual movie. I know that's a because like video games usually run at forty eight to sixty fps. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it it really took me out, and um, I'm not sure if I liked it or not. Like I I don't know if it's just I'm, I have to get used to it because it didn't bother me in the end. But I don't know if they were using the high frame rates at the end either, though. Like the the fight on the boat and nothing bothered mm-hmm. me there, but like the fights at the start with like the train, um, the train fight and stuff was like very, very obvious to me that it, it looked very off, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It looked it. I, I mean, you definitely noticed it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's interesting and like, it's something new and like, hopefully there must, I feel like there's something there, like maybe in the future it'll like, it'll make more sense or it'll look a little better because because uh, i know they use it in the hobbit and it was also kind of panned um i think they use it a lot better here from what i can tell mm-hmm. uh, but we'll see we'll, we'll see in the future because th- i feel like there must be some kind of potential behind it because peter jackson and jim cameron have both tried it there must be something there that like i'm missing i guess that they're like trying to get right yeah it's it's a cool new toy and like I don't know if we've seen the best version of it yet. Yeah. Maybe it'll improve in the next one. We'll see. Yeah, I mean what I would like to see, maybe. I don't actually know. This might be like this might be like a genie wish where if it ever came true it would be very bad. <laughs> but like I would like to see one of the I I would really I would want to see like what one of the Avatar movies looks like. Like future ones probably possibly but like maybe even the second one again what it would look like in a consistently high frame rate because the thing that the thing that didn't like the thing that was most jarring about it in this is that it would switch back and forth not on a dime but like it there were some scenes that were in the high frame rate and some scenes that weren't and like the yeah. scenes that weren't looked good. They looked good and conventionally good. The scenes that were in the high frame rate, I also liked, but they looked strange. And so, like, I wonder if I was, you know, if I was more used to it, or even by the, if, like, the whole movie had been in it, would that have looked as strange? 
Or would that have had have been as jarring at least? Yeah. I don't know. It's a food for thought. We'll see in the yeah. next one, I guess. I don't know. I guess so. Uh yeah. But to answer your question, um, I thought it was pretty good. Um definitely not a perfect movie still, but I'd say it's I'd say overall I I I think I'd give it an eight again. Same as the first avatar. Yeah, yeah, I maybe. can't remember. I can't remember exactly what I gave the first Avatar. I think I also gave it an eight. That's what I'm hoping, uh, because I liked this one better. I think this one. Uh, I think this one was. Um, I was. It was more enjoyable, and like I already loved the first one, so I would. I would probably give it around the same rating. But mm. like, if it was a solid eight before, it's a strong eight now. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, hopefully by avatar five will be at like a extremely strong eight out of ten they'll just keep getting better if the movies keep getting better and like everything that i've heard from those interviews where people are like yeah avatar three is wild is true then like you know it'll probably go up to a nine well well we'll see in two years but pierre before we go i did have one piece of news to share uh, it's very cool. So we recently donated to the Kickstarter campaign for the Velocipaster 2. Uh, and so we're going to have our names in the credits. But we just got the certificate yesterday that like says our names on it. This is what I think is really cool. We, we're officially producers on that movie because of that. And in order to put the, the title PGA after your name, that does not imply guild membership in the Producers Guild of America. So... We can have that if we've produced a movie. So you and I are now Whoa. Jeff Bomer PGA and Pierre Frigon PGA, which I think I'm just going to start saying that now. Like, what a great way to start Not off season bad. four. Yeah, what the Adding hell? an extra title to our name. That's so cool. PGA. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to promote the Velocipaster 2 occasionally on this so that hopefully we can get the Velocipaster himself or someone with that movie on our show. <laughs> Maybe we can we can bring him on our show, and then what I'll do is uh, I'll I'll bring up Mulholland Drive on mm. my phone, and I'll hold it in front of the camera, and he'll do a live commentary. Perfect. I can't wait <laughs> to t- totally enjoy this. <laughs> All right, what's the last word, Pierre? Water. <laughs> <laughs>